Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Gary Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last, Greg Norman. his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leash been to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here it is, Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to the show. It is Inside the Ropes, episode number... Lose sight of this haze. Is it number 34 or 35? I think it's 30. Is I'm it 35? Roll with 35. No, it's 35. We're up to 35. It is. What an informative start we're off to. There's a professional start to yeah, the program. We're away. Uh, lovely to see you. How are you going? <laughs> I'm really well, thanks, and mate. For the first time in 2018, uh, she's been all over the place. So it's a joy to have access to Ellie Whitaker in the studio. How lovely to see you. It is so nice to see you guys. I've been tuning in from uh. afar, listening to Hazy make wrong prediction after wrong prediction, which is fun. Well, he hasn't got it wrong yet. He's getting, as every week goes by, he's getting closer to getting it wrong, but yeah. he hasn't got it wrong just yet. Okay. All right. But I'm, this just, is be- I'm having a cheeky dig. This is becoming the opening. It's week- out of love. It's the open- opening weekly narrative now, how uncomfortable Hazy was watching Tiger Woods over the previous weekend. Well, for the first time, I must have come a long way because I was actually disappointed that he didn't threaten. And I was, when he, well, he did threaten. Well, when he hooked his drive yeah. up 16, I was actually, ah. Oh. Were you really? Yeah, I've, I've oh, come that far really? in my oh, rehab. Okay. Yeah. I reckon one bloke who won't be upset about seeing the return of the great man, even though it might, means he might have to lock horns with him at some stage in the not-too-distant future. He's going to be with us right throughout the show, but we will dedicate the middle part of the program today just talking about his favourite subject, and that's him. Uh, it, is, <laughs> it is Lucas Herbert who joins us on the show. Hi, young fella. Oh, thanks, man. That's a great rap to start me off with. <laughs> well, you feel like you, we feel like you've been part of the show... Um, since we've returned, because you've been having these blues with Clayton. <laughs> Participate on Twitter. <laughs> for you guys. Uh, do we want to talk about the ball with him? We have oh, to go we, at some we, stage. No, we'll do the ball, but we'll do it in the middle session. Yeah, we'll do it in the middle session. Right right we'll let him yeah. warm up a bit. How yeah. excited are you about the return? And I think the return is he's returned now. I think I don't think anybody, unless you know, some terrible calamity visits itself upon him, um, as a young pro, you know, sticking his toe in the water in the international professional game now. Um, how excited are you by the return of Tiger Woods? Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. I've been reminded uh, a couple of times by people who I I said I thought he was done. Um, and I think, which week would it have been? I think it would have been that week of the Valspar. I thought I'm probably, I was probably wrong there. Um, and so I've been reminded of that. A couple of times yeah. by uh, some people. Uh, as far as my thoughts on it, um, I think uh, I see it from a different point of view. If if Tiger stays around in the game, we're playing for probably double the purses every week. So I'm quite happy for him mm. to keep hanging around. <laughs> yes. um, and you look at the TV ratings, they're ridiculous with Tiger playing. Um, and I think like I, I probably really got hooked on golf to the point where I was noticing this stuff after Tiger would maybe... Like maybe that 2013 season when mm. he was um, when he when he played really well again, um, I would have seen it then. But you know, back in 08, 07, in his really vintage days, um, I wasn't. I 
wasn't really privy to at all. Um, but seeing now how, I mean, this Twitter account's just set up just to, where's Tiger today? Mm. Um, just the, the whole fanfare around him of what he's doing, what's going on, where he is, the, the TV broadcast, like that, you know, it's like, what's the leader doing? I can see that Tiger's got seven iron in from the right side of the fairway and, and whatever, but what, like, what's the guy who's leading the tournaments doing? It's, it's absolutely crazy how, um, how much the Tiger effect has on tournaments. And it's like, I'm nearly thinking it's going to get to the point where we're going to have like a Tiger series through the year of events where it's like 15 events that Tiger plays that are worth <laughs> a third more in the purse. And then every other event's like, all right, we haven't got Tiger in the field, so what else can we do? Some TV executives just listened to that out and thought, what a great idea. That's it is so true. It is I'm writing notes as we yeah. speak. <laughs> it is unbelievable the effect he has on the game. But um, yeah, I, I think my, own, my only hope for him is that he doesn't retire when it's too late. He retires when... You know, yeah. when he's still playing well and he and he goes out, you know, when he wants to, I hope he does that rather than you know he's playing, he's he's into the ground and he's finishing last at the Masters every year, like a you know a few a few guys tend to do. Um, and he decides to hang it up then. He's gearing up for the Champions Tour, isn't he? Is that what he's done? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, you know, on the on a similar note, I remember there's so is it the Twitter handle is it GC Tiger Tracker or it's something Tiger like Tracker, that. Yeah, yeah, Tiger yeah, Tracker yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And I was reading through it the other day, and at one point in time, it mentioned. That he took, he said he was feeling a little warm, so he took his jumper off. Yeah, and it got down to the point oh of a costume, God. like legitimately said he took his his light sweater off because he was a bit warm. And I was like, what? Are, what is happening to the world? <laughs> I mean, I'm all for tiger trackers, but I was like, oh wow, that is some That's serious just the detail. insanity that he brings to the game of golf, That's which it, is which is great. Yeah, for, as a as a player, I think it's great. We've got to get more interest in the game. I'm going to start doing that to you, Lucas. When I'm out on course with Lucas next, I'm going to be like, Lucas got a little warm today, so he took his vest off. He was a little parched, so he took a sip out of his uh, well-nourished, hydrated uh, water and Gatorade combination. That's it. That's it. So here we go again. Last week, we started the show, and we'll talk more, obviously, about him in a moment, but we started the show last week, Hazy, focusing almost completely and exclusively on Tiger to the... (laughs) to the extent that we didn't even mention Paul Casings. Oh, yeah, that's right. He won the tournament. and But this week, with all due respect to Paul Casey, the significance of the winner and the way that he won it uh, is actually a story within itself. Had Tiger not been at the Arnold Palmer, then we would be spending 20 minutes talking about how the hell Rory McIlroy did what he did this week. It's incredible. Yeah, Um more swords for you to fall on, Andy and myself. Mm, absolutely. I uh, think we may or may not have copped a bit of a spray on Twitter for our uh, thoughts on Rory last week. But I don't, I don't think we, you know, would be seen as irresponsible in our thoughts last week. Uh, no one in their right mind could have predicted what Rory just did. And as I've mentioned to you off air, 100 putts he had for 72 holes. I don't know what your stats are, Lucas, but that is ridiculous. And it's triply ridiculous, given that he couldn't hit... You know, he he was averaging closer to two putts. Oh, yeah. Maybe even more in oh, some yeah. rounds. Oh, he's ranking the two previous weeks for like 145 and 147 in putting in the pre- two previous tournaments. Sorry, he held, held 54 out of 54 inside 10 feet. It was unbelievable. Tiger, I think Tiger and him were like 54 and 54 and uh, out of 54 and 51 out of 51 inside 10 feet. Yep. I'm, I'm, we're sitting here with two I'm pros. I'm keen to ask them both about this. Yeah, yeah. And, We once played in my boys' trip, um, count the putts competitions. And I I had, um, over two rounds, I had 65, which I didn't think was anything special. 
I won the count the putts from the second place getter by seven, <laughs> and the next, the third place getter had eighty. So, the average golfer is having you know, roughly eighty putts for yeah. two rounds. A hundred putts for four rounds. It's almost inconceivable when you hit the ball the way he does. That's an that's a dangerous combination. And it sounds like I'm going back on what we said last week. You know, we said he was not a shadow of himself that he was three or four years ago when he looked, you know, like the next coming. And now, you know, all of a sudden, yeah. I, I've, I can't see a turnaround like that in my memory that's happened so quickly. You're not the only one. Um, Johnny Miller said on Friday, I think, something along the lines of, oh, Rory McIlroy would have won so many more tournaments if he hadn't have gone to the gym for the last five years. <laughs> Proceeded to hit it to about two foot in front of him as well. Yeah. Um, what are uh, your best putting stats, do you guys? Ali, what's your, when you used to be at the top of your game? Not saying that you aren't now. Uh, I think I want to say the best putting day I ever had was twenty three putts. Twenty three, and that was pretty pretty amazing. But it also comes down to how many greens you miss as well. So that's yeah, not that to say that thing. I shot. I think 66. putts per round is a kind of a deceiving stat in the way of yeah, you can hit it very average and have twenty five putts because you've just you know, you've hit you've hit eight in the fringe where they're not counted, and then um, yep, yeah, I think like Henrik had. 21 or 22 putts, I think, in that first round when he shot eight under because he held like held three or four from the fringe. Um, there's two stat, oh, there's probably two things that counter out, counter out each other. Really, is um, I think the greens are running at 13. I heard last week, and they looked quick on they TV, did, um, <laughs> which makes 100 putts in four rounds impre- even more impressive. Um, but I mean, the PGA Tour greens they're going to be running perfect every week, um, so you can't. You're not gonna if you hit putts online, they're gonna go in. You're yeah. not gonna get too many bounce off line. But thirteen's um, up. I think they they try and get them about ten and a half, eleven most weeks from from what I hear. Mm. Uh, that's what the guys sort of like them. So up thirteen, you know that sort of throws your speed out, and that can that can throw th- spanners in the works. But talk about the turnaround. I mean, can you in you, the time that you've been playing top level golf, both of you, can you remember a week where it's just turn on its head. Now, we know he went and had the lesson with Faxon, mm. and I believe he had a new putter in the bag. Correct me if I'm yeah, wrong about the did. putter. Can, is that... I mean, is that what it can take? Is that all it can take sometimes? Absolutely. And the thing just turns around that quickly? Yeah, well, my best ever week on tour was in Austria a couple of years back, and I was hitting it like a dog from Monday to Wednesday. So bad. Um, to the point where I was like, how am I going to keep this on the planet? And... I found on the Wednesday afternoon, I went to the range and I was like, oh, I'm just going to try this and got a swing thought and then ended up in the final group coming into Sunday. Yeah, on. Um, and it just clicked, but it was a massive turnaround. And like we, we had a, a similar story last at the end of last year with Eun Hee Ji, one of the South Koreans. And um, she hadn't won an event in, I think, five years at that point in time in, in Taiwan and got a good swing thought literally on the Tuesday, she chatted with her, not even her coach, just her caddy. Oh, this feels all right. Ended up winning that week. So it, it does actually happen. But I mean, that turnaround was pretty, yeah. to do it at that level and in that much exposure as well, when people are criticizing you, it was pretty stunning stuff. And we talked about the depth and the interest in the master's field last week and probably for the past couple of weeks, as we added another layer oh, to yeah, it, it with, with, with Phil and then Tiger, we discounted Rory completely. Um, and, you know, he hasn't got a great track record at Augusta. Obviously, he led one into the back nine until he snap hooked one into the uh, the boondocks there one year. But now we've got – we've just got a dozen legitimate contenders. No doubt. Can you remember Can you remember just having something that was totally cold one week and then getting super hot the next? Can you remember a time in your short career where that's happened? Um, 
Yeah, there's definitely plenty of examples of that. I think like golfers are just strange creatures, and you can just throw a new putter in the bag, and all of a sudden, it just changes everything. And it's like you, you, the best thing to do is have a short memory um, as a golfer. Is, yeah, right. you, know, you, you don't want to you don't want to remember the the ten left to right three footers that you missed high on the putting green before the round when you stand over one on the first green. Um, it's like I can't think I can't think of one really specifically where yeah. yeah. Um, where yeah, it's just been it's it's been a week. I I definitely know some of the best golf I've played, like the Vic Open twenty seventeen when I was sort of leading there, and then sort of fell away at the end when Dimmy won. Um, I was hitting I was hitting shanks on the range on Monday, um, and some like some of the best golf I like some of the best ball striking I have I actually hit shanks like very close prior to that. Um, I, I don't know why. It's just every time I hit a shank, I'm like, oh, it means I'm going to hit it good soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's talking about that that ability to forget the bad stuff as quickly as you possibly can. Last year, middle of the year, last year we were talking about the kind of Justin, the phenomenal sort of up and down hit or miss of Justin Thomas. Like he was either missing cuts or finishing top five. It it wasn't, there was very little in between with Justin Thomas. And I mean, your last couple of tournaments. I was going to say my year at the moment, I finished tied eighth or missed the cut. That's You're you're (laughs) going through that as well. So that, that is, that feeds right into that, narrative as a professional golfer because not every week's going to be sunshine but mm. the key is to forget about the stuff where it hasn't happened for you as quickly as you possibly can because there's so many of these examples where things do turn around in the blink of an eye so well, i think like betting on golf is ridiculously hard <laughs> yeah. like oh like not that i really give any advice out but mates are always ask me for tips no, oh, who's going to play well this week? And I'm like, <laughs> I got no idea. This is like golf is the hardest sport in the world to bet on. That's why the odds are so high. That's why it's so hard to win because it's, yeah, this guy. How many how many stories are there? The guys that miss 13 cuts in a row and win the 14th yeah. week. Like, mm. yeah, these guys can come out of nowhere all the time. Ali, I wanted to ask you a question because there's another example of this is totally unrehearsed here. This professional <laughs> as we are, there's another great example of this on the on the LPGA this week. I mean, True. someone who we'd totally written off came oh so close to doing the dame, so, yeah, the great dame. dame, yeah, Laura Davies. Um, I, you know, everyone probably had written her off except Laura mm-hmm. and, and except myself actually as well. Anyone oh. on the Ladies European Tour um, would see she's a. a incredible ball striker. Um, so she's a dame. She's been, you know, appointed. Um, she's in the, she's not in the world. She's two points short of the LPGA Hall of Fame because she split her time between the LPGA and the Ladies European Tour. Um, but essentially, she came out of nowhere. She would have been the oldest winner on the LPGA by eight years, I think. Mm. It, it, she would have absolutely slaughtered that record. But she, you know, she's just never had a lesson in her life. And just a total character, loves the casino. Like, she's that kind <laughs> loves of Loves the Liverpool football she's club. She's awesome. Yeah. She is so, such a classic. And I ask what, she'll what, talk to anyone. What is two points? What does she need to get for two points? Because she deserves to be in the in the Golf Hall, Hall yeah. of Fame. Completely agree. Um, she has to... You've challenged me. She, I think she has to win a major. I think a major gets two points and a regular LPGA event gets one point. So okay. she'd have to she'd have to do some serious work. But you ask her how her golf is and everyone's like, oh, are you going to retire or whatever? And she's, she's like, no, no, no. As soon as I start putting well, I'm going to win. Did and you? genuinely, she's a ripper. I, looked, I had a look at her 2017, right, to put what she did on the weekend. Only a second start for the year. She's following the same path. It's seemingly so in tournaments played that she started last year with, right? So she shoots 14 under, tie for second, shoots 63-69 on the weekend to finish five shots back, but in a tie for second. In 2017, Al, she played 13 times professionally. 
She missed nine cuts. So, started up 13 times, missed nine cuts. Her four finishes were tie 65, tie 63, 67th, and tied 59th. She won 19 grand there or thereabouts for the year. If you looked at those numbers and put it alongside her age, you are saying, give it away, Laura. It, the, the, all, everything's telling you, time's up. Mm. Don't. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing, Laura. You're embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing your legacy. Don't do this anymore. But clearly, as you've just said, she never, ever saw it that way. No, and and she wouldn't. This is a woman, and I, I can't stress this enough, that she plays golf the way that you play at home when you're with your friends. Actually, you play the way that Lucas Herbert normally plays because he <laughs> sometimes pulls shots out of places that you... <laughs> I saw you make two world-class up-and-downs in Perth that I'm still trying to work out how it happened, Me and you too. know which ones I'm talking about. But um, she... I remember playing with her at Commonwealth a couple of years back, probably about seven years ago, and um, she hit it in the water, and I'm blanking on the hole. I want to say it's maybe 16. It's towards the end. It's dog leg left with the yeah, lake 16. in the middle. Yeah, And she ducked it left into the water, dropped a ball, and then proceeded to hit driver off the deck from the rough, <laughs> up, carved it up over these trees onto the green, mm. And I had like a comedian as a caddy that week, a girl called Katie Jones, who used to be <laughs> Katie Forbes, who was in the AIS, wife of Steve Jones, professional. Mm. And we get up and Laura just lips out for the par putt. And she just looks at Laura, everyone's silent. And she goes, Laura, that would have been a pretty cheeky par. <laughs> <laughs> and we all just lost it because it was the way that you play with your mates. Yeah. And so she is an absolute credit to the game. She's so fun to watch even now. And so I'm happy to see her in the mix. Like Rory and like Paul Casey, we haven't even mentioned the winner. Yeah. She wins by five. Inby Park wins the tournament. Four straight birdies on the back nine on the Sunday. Just blew the field away. Um, three, six, three, six under in five holes in yes. round two, was it, at some stage? It was some yeah. extraordinary Inby Park I think Park she was goal. seven under through nine. Is she, back to like her, is she now officially back to her best, do you think? Or has she still got a little way to go before she's there? Well, every, she's taken, I want to say, three breaks that were four months plus. Yeah. So before the Olympics, before she yeah. won gold at the Olympics, she was off for four months with, I think she had issues with her thumb that time. And then she's taken seven months off last year. There was this suspicion that she didn't want to play on tour anymore. Is that, was that, she just, she wanted to stay home and she'd had enough of it all and that maybe she was just going to call an early, call early time on her career. Is that, is, were those rumours circulating definitely yeah Yeah. she got used to the domestic life (laughs) which is such a novelty to pro golfers to be honest with you um lucas would know (laughs) would know that probably better than most of us at the moment but she genuinely i think even people on her team were thinking that she was gonna toss it in and she didn't and she went out and one of my favorite quotes from last week was jane park she all she wrote was she said Inby's out there on the golf course doing Inby things right. because it's the only way to put it because yeah. she mm-hmm. gets a sniff of the lead and she just launches. Yeah. So we're talking about blokes who, and women who are hot and cold. Can it just and while we're talking about all roads leading to Augusta at the moment, yep. we're going to spend a lot of time talking to Lucas who will get there one of these days. We are certain. One name that we haven't, I don't think we've mentioned his name since we've started back in two thousand and eighteen. Have you been? Have you followed the form line of Justin Rose since the PGA Championship last year? Oh, I couldn't cite the numbers, but yes, um, it you know, is, it's unreal what he's been doing. So he misses the PGA, misses the current PGA Championship last year. Since then, he's had thirteen top tens from his subsequent fifteen starts. Yeah, that's amazing. So he's teed it up fifteen times since for thirteen top tens. He's gone. T10, T10, T2, T10, 1, 1, T4, T10, T5, 1, T22, T8, T37, T5, 3. 
this is the hottest player on the planet right now. And we, we say this a couple of weeks ago, we said it about Justin Thomas. But <laughs> this bloke's, in terms of just putting himself in the frame every single week, and a bloke who, I don't know, I don't know whether he's a four-round hole-in-hole-out good enough to good enough putter to win at Augusta, but everything else he's doing surely says that he has to be in the top two or three picks when I'd he gets it. I'd love to chip in here. I played the Indonesian Masters the end of last year, and in the numerous rain delays we had, I sat with Fuchs, his caddy, quite a quite a bit, and, and chatted to him. Um, and looking at what he's the way he's setting his year up, um, he he took a long break there. I think after the FedEx Cup, and he was kind of getting his year back into like kind of got it going again at Hero World Challenge um, and started his season there rather than have a break over Christmas kind of thing. He started early um, so that he could have all... I think he wanted all of February, all of March off or something like that to get ready for Augusta. The guy, you you look at his results in the last few years around Augusta, like when Spieth won, he he ran second. Yeah. He ran second in the playoffs with Sergio, like... And he said it in an interview last year himself. He's going to win at Augusta. He, and his game sets up so well for Augusta. We, like you said, hasn't really been spoken about this year. Last week, he, I think he was four over through, or three over through eight holes at Arnold Palmer and then finished that round at four under. Um, and what, what did he finish last week? Tied uh, top four, five? Yeah, oh, yeah, t- yeah, no, third. third. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, shot 14 under. Yeah. I don't, I don't even think there's a... Like, those greens running as quick as they were around there, like... That's a good point. He's, yeah, yeah. He putts it plenty well enough and he, like if he doesn't win at Augusta in the next two or three years like I'm seriously surprised the guy has a game built for that course I, I don't want Lucas in here anymore he's far too well researched makes oh. us sound very <laughs> ordinary I oh, know that's very disappointing well maybe there's always one bloke who puts it better than him <laughs> there's only going to be one bloke who puts it better yeah. than him at Augusta but he's he's just his form line is so strong at the moment so strong that it would be ridiculous to if you're going to pick a one, two, three. I think you've got to have Justin Rose in the mix. The only somewhere. reason he's not being talked about so strongly is because we've had Phil win yeah. um, WGC. We've had Rory win last week. Tigers up and about. Justin Thomas is as always playing well. It's like there's just guys overshadowing him at the yeah, moment, which point. is ridiculous considering how good he's how good he is around that course. Um, just quickly before we get to a break and talk to this bloke about him, a couple of Australians were in the field who got through to the weekend at the Founders, and we spoke to Rebecca Artis a couple of weeks ago on the program. Um, tied 46, five under. Positive start to her LPGA campaign? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm really happy to see Beck out there because, mm. um, you know, we talked to her a little bit during the Australian Open and just about the struggle that, you know, the, the grind of golf, in particular on the Symmetra Tour, the secondary US Tour, that is absolutely brutal out there. You're paying 500 bucks a week to tee it up. So it's 10 grand before you've even hit a golf shot for the year. And for her to go through and get her card through Q School at the end of the year, like she said that Jeff, her husband, was actually welling up on out on the golf course. And for those that know Jeff Artis, <laughs> he is not an emotional man. <laughs> and uh, and he had tears in his eyes and her dad was also pretty emotional. And she's just like, I just started losing it when I looked at both of the two biggest men, men in my life. And they were... They were just so emotional as well. So it's great to see her off to a red-hot start, like all of our Aussies really mm. have been, um, in particular Minji Lee. She's had, what, first, second, fifth, fourth, didn't tee it up last week. So she's a good place to look this week at the Key Classic. And then uh, Hannah Green as well, so, mm. you know, amongst others, really. I've seen, I've seen Jeff cry when he spilled a beer. 
There's a lot to look forward to. Uh, we're going to talk to Lucas Herbert about his uh, continuing and developing journey uh, on the other side of this quick break here on Inside the Ropes. G'day, I'm my golf ambassador, Jason Day. I'm really excited to be an ambassador for my golf, Australian Golf's National Junior Program, jointly run by Golf Australia and the PGA. My golf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about teaching children the basic skills of golf in a safe and healthy environment. And just as importantly, about the life skills that golf can teach you that distinguish our sport from the rest. Remember to visit mygolf.org.au for more information. G'day Australia, it's Matt Kamensky, Executive Director for the President's Cup 2019. For all the latest golf news, please turn in Inside the Rope. Welcome back to the show. Lucas Herbert has already been part of the uh, opening segment, far too impressively for the uh, liking of Hazy and I in particular. <laughs> He's making far too much sense and getting way too many things right. Uh, but it's time to turn the, the blowtorch on, not the blowtorch, the spotlight on you and have a chat about where you're at. Um, and where you're heading. Sure, there'll be a blowtorch here. There's in a no blowtorch here, mate. We're, we're big fans. You know, you know you've listened occasionally. I think you have anyway. And, you know, we're big fans of what you do on this podcast and um, very enthusiastic about what you're going to do. No, you know, bugger it. I'm going to blowtorch you. Right. Tell us about how significant the Canadian um, visit was for you and the results that you achieved up there. Yeah, so just planning around the schedule for the year. Um, obviously, with nothing on in Australia, we just want something... Um, substantial to play in uh, just before the British Open. So, um, you know, so I haven't sort of come off two cold months of not really playing any events. Um, so, yeah, China was China and Canada, Q schools I went to, I've got cards and I've uh, got status in both of those. Um, so I've got options of, you know, events to play um, in the lead up. Uh, and also, ch- obviously, trying to work through Europe as well to, to play some um, to play some European tour events and, and try and get my way in over there. How do you do that? What's the key to getting starts in Europe before the Open? Um, well, I've already got so I've, off my own off my own bat, I guess. Um, hopefully, I'm going to get Volvo China Open, the top 250 in the world, get in. But it's the first 60 entries, so that'll kind of be pretty close as to whether I get in or not. So we're we're waiting on that a little bit. I've already got an invite for the Rocco Forte Open in um, in Sicily, in Italy. Um, so that's that's all sort of start of May, and then. Um, I'll get obviously the Open Fiji International and uh, off the Aussie Order Merit from last year. I'll get the Dunhill Links. Um, so I've got some. Right. I got. I got a, f- a few events to play, uh, and I've joined as a and as affiliate. Uh, sorry, as an affiliate member before Perth. Um, so all that's counting. Uh, all my all my money's counting over there to hopefully keeping a card. Um, the sort of the short term goal I've got trying to get an invite into the Trophy Hassan in Morocco at uh, the end of April, and then hopefully Volvo China comes through, and then um, Italy. Those uh, those three events, I've got to ma- I think I've got to make roughly 70,000 or 80,000 euro, um, and then I'll be the highest-ranked player on the race to Dubai going into like the BMW International and all the events through the middle of the year. And then as the highest-ranked player who's not already exempt... Sorry, I should have mentioned that. The highest-ranked player who's not already exempt... Um, into those events, we'll get a start. So if I can, if I can be that player, I'll be getting a start. It'd be harder for other guys to obviously get in and, and make more money than me. So hopefully that would allow me to play the rest of the season through Europe. Um, so that that's sort of a bit of a short term goal for mm. me. Mm. Um, keep my card that way, and I think yeah, through Europe I can obviously play, get my world ranking up high enough, and and at some point get across to the US tour where I want to play my golf. So at one seventy five, one seventy. I think so. Yeah, you're starting to get to the point in the world rankings. We, you know where you you that'll get you a start anyhow in a few events. Um, yeah, I haven't really looked into it too much. There's sort of not, there's not really a handbook um, or mm. anything. For, <laughs> no one sort of tells you, right, okay, you you rank this now or you finish this in this event. That means you get this these starts. Like 
it's all figuring out stuff on your own. So I'm, just, I'm still sort of working all that so out. So can you miss out on stuff because you're not aware absolutely. of? You can, I imagine. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've not been aware of any that I've missed out on. I think at this point in time. But um, do you do that research, or does your team, Team Herbert, do the research? Uh, well, my manager David Rollo for IMG, he's pretty across most of the stuff. So if I finish, you know, high up in an event somewhere, he'll go that that might get you a start here, or this will get you leverage into this event, or you know, something like that. So he's pretty good with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Are you are you a student of the world ranking? I just had a quick look last night and. Um, the Macau Open two years, two, there or thereabouts, two years ago, yeah. you're like 1,800 and something in the world. And in that period, it's not even two years. It's it's closer to a year and a half than, well, a year and three quarters since then. And you're now up to that one se- mid-170s. It's been it's been a, a phenomenal ascent through the world rankings. Are you Is that something that you do? I mean, you keep an eye on it because it's a professional entry point into the tournaments that you're talking about, but... Just in terms of where you sit in the world and where your game's taking you, is that important to it? I think it's the uh, it's for me it's probably the fairest assessment of where everyone's at with their game. I mean, if one guy beats me in one event, that means that he won that event. Um, I I hate to pick Simon Hawks out of this, but like he won the Vic Open and he's really not done before that. hadn't really done anything mm. else other than that. Does that mean he's the best player in Australia or in the world that week? Like, no, not necessarily. So um, for me, it's like if if you keep moving up in the world rankings, then you're obviously doing something right. Mm. So that's that's kind of my measure. So all you, most of my goals are based around world ranking um, targets because there's no, it's not like you have to win this week, you have to run top ten this week, you have to do this this mm. week. It's kind of all right if you if you practice and work hard over the year, you're going to get there. Um, so I think yeah, I I'd, I definitely take an interest in it. So with that in mind specifically, I said to someone before the Vic Open, which you couldn't play. Mm-hmm. Had Lucas Herbert turned up, he'd be the nominal favourite for this event, because I, and that was franked, I reckon later on in Perth when you you know did what you did. You could have got X amount of points that week if you rolled up to to Thirteenth Beach. You you just would have, but you chose to do something that focuses on the latter or the next phase of your career. That was China, right? Mm-hmm. That week. Yeah. How how do those two sort of juxtaposed against each other? Uh, massive conflicts with um, Jamie, my mental coach, about that one. Um, he wanted me to go to China, and I I really wanted to play the Vic Open. I'd say mainly more because it was the Vic Open, not because um, not because of any world ranking points or any money that was involved. I I hate missing I hate missing Australian events. I'll, that's something I really want to do throughout my career is play Australian events, um, and I really I really hated missing that tournament um but yeah obviously the the flip side of that was because i got china status that took pressure off me at canadian q school mm-hmm. um knowing that if i if i didn't get my card up there that i still had something to fall back on um so i, I it was it was kind of um six one half dozen the other in that respect and it was going to do it was probably going to be beneficial both ways we lose sight of that, don't we, a little bit over here, I reckon, sometimes. We want our Australian players to play all the Australian events. But mm. this is such a global game. Um, and you're professional players. You have to make decisions sometimes that, that are in the best interest of your career, not necessarily the tour that has you know, supported you on the way through, whatever supported looks like and actually means. We, we on this side of the fence, sometimes lose sight of that fact, I reckon. I think a great example of that was the Australian Open last year, which clashed with, was it the opening European tour yeah, Hong event? Kong. Hong Kong, yeah. Mm. And so I think it was Scott Hand and um, obviously Wade were 
were elsewhere waited and yeah there was a there was quite a few guys that went played that because because the field that week for them was weaker so Mm. it made sense that for them to be able to go out and get you know their season off to a great start and if you ask them none of them want to miss the Australian Open Mm. that if they had felt like they had a choice and that this week that week wasn't really setting up their year it'd be a different story but you know I think it was what Lucas did was really clever with the Chinese you know the Chinese Q school because I remember talking to your coach Dom about it and saying, you know, why is why is Lucas not here and spoke to Jamie that week of the Vic Open? He said because we want to get that so that he can go to McKenzie Tour without without thinking about it too much and being able to play freely and it's it's actually panned out exactly that way. For me though, I've I've scheduled in the Australian Open and the Australian PGA and the New South Wales Open at the end of the year because I really want to play those events. Yeah. Um, yeah. That a boy. That's so, like that's something that I want to do. Throughout my, if I if I make it as a top fifty player, top ten player in the world, I really want to make a point of trying to come back for our Australian events because, oh, yeah. yeah, I like, I know like, we all loved it. Like I loved it last year playing with J Day and watching him play, and I was like, I like I want that to have like if I'm ever that good, I want to have that effect on on other players and and fans throughout the game. And I know like I've got mates back home that play, you know, club level golf, and they all you know, for whatever for whatever reasons, like they might they maybe don't like some of the Australian golfers as much because they don't come back. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's like you know, sometimes Jason is referred to as, you know, not really Australian because he doesn't come back for our events. And that, that's for a, a whole bunch of reasons. And as a professional golfer, I understand what's going on with him. I can understand why he doesn't come back. But I like personally, I've, I've made it a real point that I want to come back and play those events, at, um, you know, hopefully if I'm top 10 in the world or something like that. But it's a good point that the guy in the street in Bendigo doesn't see it that way yeah and that's i mean that's a problem with sports sometimes as well is they don't they don't quite see the the underpinning you know arguments and and reasonings as to why players make the decisions that they do um you know they only kind of see at the end of the day that jason day decides he doesn't want to come back and play the australian open because he wants a week off or um you know leash wants to at, at the time leash wanted to play the the Hero World Challenge, the the Mickey Mouse event, as you I think you called it, uh, yeah. Hazy. Um, the, that was the edited polite version. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, just a, a a cash grab in the Bahamas for them, basically at the end of the year. Um, you know, I, I can I can see it from as a from a pro, pro golfer's point of view why they would want to do. Oh, that. absolutely. Um, but I can also see it from a from a, a sporting fans perspective back in Australia. You know, um, it was even the they released that. LeBron and Steph Curry and a few guys were going to come out and play a basketball game in Melbourne. Oh, they are. Um, next year. Next yeah. year. Yeah, next year. And you look at the excitement in Australia because we watch all that stuff overseas. And, like, those guys wouldn't understand how much like, how much the basketball community in Australia would love to see them come out yeah, and how yeah. we would we would pack. Is it, it's at Etihad, yeah? Etihad. We would pack Etihad out it's to nearly, watch that game. There's huge pre-sales interest already and all the courtside seats are sold. And that's a really good point, mate. Correct. It's a, and they couldn't possibly foresee the interest that that'll generate and you know aligning this with golf down the track the the uh the importance this will have on young basketballers and if you say that what can we do with young golfers this is it's critical that we get these names down here and you guys coming back to support everything yeah and just yeah making golf fun making golf enjoyable and and a brand that we want to watch have you got a sense for where you're you know, you're playing golf around the world now. You're starting to put your tongue in the water in all four corners. Mm-hmm. Have you had a sense for where your game is best suited? The types of courses that you're kind of asked to play on week in, week out. Is there a, a tour somewhere in the world where you reckon... I think I know what your answer might be to this question. 
Uh, well, I, pl- I love playing in the US, yeah. and I think that's, yep. uh, you know, from a travel and logistics point of view, I think that's probably the easiest tour to play on um, with how they schedule everything. Um, you know, the amount of events per year, and it's, it's pretty well scheduled. So I, I would love personally to play there. Um, in terms of courses that suit me, um, a golf course that you, the par fives are reachable in two, um, but, but long. And then, you know, maybe a couple of par fours that are risk-reward where you can take driver at the green and get it up around the green or yeah. you can lay it up. Those seem to be the courses that really suit me. So I, I love Lake Carrion up um, for the for the World Super 6 because all the par fives are reachable. You need a really good tee shot off three there um, to get it in play, whereas a lot of guys don't have that tee shot. They they all still take three wood and hit it right of the bunker and play as a three-shotter. I really take that on and try and hit driver down there, get an iron on the green or around the green, and I back myself to make up and down and make birdie there. And maybe even sneak a three here and there um and yeah then you've got like the first is drivable the 14th is drivable um there's one other hole in there i think you can knock it really close yeah 10 you can knock it really close as well um so that's a golf course that sets up really well for me um and that was why in in the event this year i I didn't think i really had i probably had my b grade b grade game that week um but just the strategy hitting the right clubs off the tee for me it was like it, it really set up for me. I've, I thought I played better in New Zealand two weeks later when I missed the cut. <laughs> it's funny, you know, on a golf course that probably didn't suit me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you talked about Paul Casey before, Andy, about his record. Lucas has got something similar going on no here. Doubt. I mean, it, I'd like you to talk about that run, how it feels to you when you step on the course now, as opposed to maybe six, eight, ten, ten months ago, what your own expectations are. But also, you mentioned playing with Jason. You didn't get the chocolates. Was it T seven maybe finish? Yeah, tied sixth. Yeah, tied sixth at the at the Australian Open. That experience you got there. Aside, I mean, I know you would have liked a bigger check. Everyone understands that, but that's money can't buy, isn't it? Yeah, as a team, Jamie, me, Dom, we all probably agreed that I I probably matured three years in two days there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, the experience that I got from that was unbelievable. Um, just being exposed to seeing how he played, and then even the confidence that I get within myself that I played the way I did for 27 holes with him. Um, and yeah, didn't, didn't, you know, I was, if you, t- you talk to Jamie about the Saturday morning there, he was, he flew our time. He flew LA to Melbourne's uh, Friday night, Saturday, uh, the overnight Friday night, Saturday morning. And he woke up to a message from me uh, Saturday morning, like, Hey mate, um, how do you go about like living uh, like normal life because I, I I don't feel like I'm I, I can't do it I can't, I've forgotten how to do it um, I, I don't know how I slept I was I was just buzzing uh, I was I was super nervous um, which is I hadn't been like that in a long time um, so the experience of playing well you know in in that um, in those circumstances was was really good um, and even I, I to be honest on that last day I thought. I knew Jason really wanted to win an Australian Open, um, and I knew that probably pretty much all the pressure was on him. I didn't; no one was really expecting me to play well. Um, so my tactic was: if I make birdies early and put the heat on him, I, like I think I've got him because I, you know, I, I saw, I even saw some things maybe on Saturday that I was like, I think I've got him covered in that area. Mm. I think, like, I think he could get better in that area. Like, and I've got him covered. He's obviously got me covered in a lot of areas, but I thought there was a couple of little things. That if I can play to them, if I can challenge him in those areas. I think I've got him. And that was, I thought if I can make a couple of birdies early and put some heat on him, I really think I can, um, I can, I can beat this guy today. 
Um, and I, I did. I made some birdies early and, and put some heat on, and I, I had him in a good position. Um, unfortunately, through my own doing, you know, um, sort of unraveled on the back nine there. But um, yeah, like that just that carried through to the next week. I was wrecked at the PGA, like yeah. so so tired. And thankfully, the PGA gave us morning tea times every morning, so I got to sleep in. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, by Sunday it was like nearly fell over walking out of the scorers tent, um, but still ran tied seventh yeah. because I because I've had that buzz of the week before um, and then Singapore was the same thing I get up I get it up around the lead and I feel more comfortable and then Perth get up around the lead I feel more comfortable and it's like you can you can bring a B or a C grade game and still be like I'm good enough that that doesn't matter uh, that was massive so tell us about that run you've had where you had that string of top 10 finishes, you start to bank some checks. And some of your press conferences during the Australian Open were fantastic because mm-hmm. there was a real fresh interest in, in Lucas Herbert and a profile that you were getting as by virtue of your, you know, where you were sitting on the leaderboard. And on one of the press conferences, you talked about just the money pressure of being mm-hmm. a pro. Can I afford to play next week? Can I afford to get to where I want to go? You're going to make more money than you've made through this run. But... You're prob- presumably, you've got a bit of money in the bank now, so you can kind of lay it out a little bit. Yep. How big a difference does that make to a young pro? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think there's a couple of different levels of it because personally, like I probably I invest quite a lot of the money I make straight back into me and getting Dom, Jamie, mm. my physio, Simi, um, my caddy, all like all trying to get uh, trying to get all of them to an event because when they're all there, like I don't, I, that's less stress for me, and they can see they can see what's going on more they get more access to me they can learn more they can, we can develop more so for me like it's not about just being able to get to another tournament it's like being able to take the to- the whole team there yeah, yeah. so that that way like we can do lo- more learning and that I, I think that's a massive attribution as to why I've got to 175 in the world and hopefully keep improving is because you know it's not about all right we just banked 110 grand in Perth like let's go and let's go and buy a new car it's like no, like all that, all that fun stuff of you know buying all that stuff. That's when I get to the US tour and I can go and run thirtieth and buy a new house. Like mm. that's that's for all that. Like, I'll worry about that when I get to that point in my career. Right now, it's like investing back in myself, getting those guys at more events so that I can get to that top fifty in the world, and uh, and you know chase the dreams that I want to I want to chase. That's great. Well, it's nice to it's nice to see it coming together as well because I remember talking to your dad before um, one of the rounds at the Australian Open, and he wasn't nervous, was he? He's never <laughs> no, nervous. He was he was cruisy. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and Lyndon said to me that I said, you know, does he have any backing? And he said he's got one sponsor. And it was on, it was the, the chest, like left center chest. Yeah, mate the, from back home, Shane Muir, engineering consulting, plug that in there. Yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> and so, um, but he's, and I said, is anyone else on board? And he's like, no, he's got, he's got no help. And just, a, just yesterday you were announced as part of the Golf Australia rookie squad, which is great. It's your first, first crack at it. And that's a big amount of funding. I was part of it for three years myself. So I know what a big deal that is and the, the financial yeah. pressure that takes off. And it's been a credit to Golf Australia, but um, so nine people in the squad, but you know, you've got someone like Ryan Ruffles who's playing over on the Latin America PGA tour and he's been, it's his third, third year in it. And, you know, so then you've got someone like Lucas who's been on our radar consistently the last two months. It's finally, you know, getting a nod at it. So congratulations on that. that yeah. Must thank be. you. Pretty fun to have that behind you. Yeah. Um, Hazy advocated for you. <laughs> Hazy pushed real hard for that. Really? I would have. Oh, I would have bashed. Bloke, I would have bashed the door down. To be honest with you, if you hadn't got a, a gig um, in it. Yeah. Look, I'll, 
like I'll be pretty honest. Like when I finished as an amateur from the national team, it probably didn't that relationship relationship didn't end well. Um, probably a lot through my own doing, really, um, of being a nineteen year old kid and um, being as as uh, stubborn and big headed as I so am. So what happened? What was the thing? Um, oh, there was just disagreements as as to you know uh, how I was going about things. Um, I changed coaches, which I wasn't really, to be honest, that happy about. Um, and I was just, yeah, just in an environment where I wasn't, I wasn't getting much out of myself. Um, and I think, you know, it's one of those things when you, when you can't really see the results coming through, you're not really that motivated to practice. And I, I that was kind of the, the, um, that was kind of the end factor really. I was, I was not working very hard at okay, all. Yep. Um, so yeah, there was, there was definitely bad blood there, but, um, you know, credit to the guys in GA, they really, in the last two years, obviously the results have been coming through for me, but they've, they've definitely seen the processes that I put in place with the team I've got around me. And they've seen how important that team is and how they're getting the best out of me. And they've kind of, they've, they've given me the freedom of, I need, um, to be me and to take control of that and to, to have my team in there that, that, you know, can get the best out of me. Hmm. Um, so I think that was the most pleasing thing with those guys is they, uh, they came to me, uh, you know, Golf Australia came to me, um, saying that they wanted to help out in some way. They, they sort of didn't really know how I wanted to get help or, you know, what, it, what that looked like. But, you know, it was like, we want to help you. We see you as a, as a prospect in the future, which, um, you know, is really nice of them to, to see that. And, you know, that they, they wanted to help me out. And um, I, was, I was pretty grateful that they did that, yeah, because I, I, to be honest, didn't think that that would, that would come back to, um, to as good a relationship as it is now mm. um, after how it ended as an amateur. That's good, Hazy. That's, oh, it's, it's great. It's, it's awesome. Um, and I, I mean, I've always been tight with Lucas, but I'm assuming that there's been some fractured relationships for a little while there with a couple of people. But I think it's important, and not just for Lucas, but for others who have been in a similar situation to realize uh, there's nothing personal mm. ever, ever happens. Um, and, I, I, you know, I'm not potting you as a bloke, never would. But I would imagine that you're a different person to who you were at 19. I'd love to think that I'm a lot more mature than I was at 19, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I mean, yeah, there's just... Man, I'm, you, I don't, you, I don't know, want... you know me, I'm, yeah. I'm, very, I'm very stubborn. And the, the joke that all the guys that I work with right now have is that basically they'll tell me to do something, I tell them to get stuffed, <laughs> and then I go and do it within the next day. Yeah, right. That's how it happens. Like, <laughs> but, you know, that, if, you, if you don't know that's how, that's how I work that can come off really badly. But those guys know that they tell me something, it'll get through to me eventually. Like, I've just got to see it the right way. And if if they tell me something and it's and it's important and I don't and I don't realise that, it's not because what they've said isn't important. It's just they haven't delivered it the right way. And that, that's that's why I think the guys that are around me now, coaching-wise, team-wise, are the, are the best that I can get. I, I think that's fantastic. Mm. I mean, every person in the world learns a different way. Uh, and it's it's a give and take process. There's only so much from a GA perspective. From and I don't want to talk for the high performance guys, but there's only so much money to give. Mm. And I think it's more a matter of a mental attitude that you take towards the things that that gets rewarded ultimately. Lucas is uh, hasn't been part of, wasn't part of the national squad at the end of your amateur career, but you know I would without any question probably because I I know his coach a little bit know that he's one of the hardest workers going around. And I think that's far more important 
than uh, you know some of the results that we see perhaps as a 17, 18, 19, 20 year old. And you know the the, the proof's in the pudding here. Yeah, because, no doubt about because, that. You know you wouldn't get from where Lucas was three or four years ago um, as a promising amateur to a burgeoningly, if there's such a word, successful professional. Um, I think it, the best thing they ever did was uh, was basically kick me out of the national team because got my ass into gear. There you go. Well, and that wouldn't have been intended. That wasn't, but it, that, that is a, that's a consequence of that moment in your life. And you, you know what? It's, well, you're here, so of course we're going to say nice things to you. But it's a credit to yourself that you didn't spit the dummy, mm. go and get on the grog, put on 15 kilos and just become, you know, a, a plus three marker at back in Bendigo somewhere. Yeah. Because a lot of people in that situation as a young golfer could go up yours, stay get stuffed, I'm out. You know, if you don't want me, I'm not. But you didn't do that. So there was obviously a high calling somewhere um, and through those circumstances you found it. So that's fair enough, isn't it, Al? Is that, that's kind of how life oh, rolls sometimes, completely. isn't it? You, you know, know knowing, knowing Lucas that I, the way that I do now, to think back to a point where he could have got kicked out of anything is, is very foreign thinking for me because I you know I'm ready to set him up with half of my friends under the age of 25 so well <laughs> what are we waiting for <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so anyway so I think what, that's a, as big a compliment as I can give what are you reckon you're better at are you are you better at pure playing like ball striking golf course um, strategizing uh, are you better at that or are you better at competing do you reckon? What's your competing. strong competing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah, I hate losing. Um, so, yeah, that's that's. I guess that's the question answered right there. Yeah. I don't, like personally, I don't think uh, really. Like, you, if I look at a golf swing of mine on video, it, where do we start with that? But it's yours. It, it just looks. It but just it's looks yours, so right? weird. Like, yeah, yeah, and I don't, I don't, like, I don't really rate any of my own abilities as like I don't. I, I can't compare a golf swing of mine against anyone else in the world. Um, I don't like none of it feels like it's really that good, but I, I get under pressure and it's like, I know where the ball's going. Like that's all I care about. Yeah. I, I think that's great. We're um, a couple of days from the, or we're nearly a day away now from the, the world match play championship in Austin, Texas. I'm listening to this talk over here now and I, I cannot wait for you to get to that stage. Yeah. And you're only a hundred ranking points away from it. And you could be there next year. could be a couple of years. Let's hope you keep pressing on. But listen to you talk about how you, you know, you lined up Jason Day's game against yours, and how you could ram home an advantage even against the world's best player. That's awesome to me. That just really just gets the hairs on the back of my neck. <laughs> I just want to know whether you've changed, right? I've, I found in just doing my one minute of research on you before we sat down for a chat, I saw a golf. I think it was on Golf Australia's website, an old Q and A with you from about three years ago. So. I'm just going to ask you a question that you were asked then to see whether you're still the same Lucas Herbert as you were before you had any money in the bank, all right? What is your favourite food? Chicken parma. He hasn't changed. <laughs> Hazy, he hasn't changed. Is there a pub somewhere that serves up the – like if we're in that neck of the woods, you've got to go to this pub to get that chicken parma? Is there one in particular that, you know, you want to – you can – under pressure now, of course, but um, is there one that you can think of? The riser? I don't – I don't know that I can plug any pub no, in Bendigo to be the uh, the best. There was actually there's a Facebook page that was going around for a while that was like a a, a chicken palmer raider in Bendigo. So yeah. they would go around and rate the palmers, <laughs> and it all and it'd be you know like 
Was it served on top of the chips? That's a big one. Which we can't is, serve the palmer on top of the chips. Hallelujah, brother. Um, like, you know, what's the, if you get veggies, like, are they good veggies with yep. it? Or is it like a, you know, is it a lower class salad? Like, and it was a very, it was a very popular page. And I think I'd have to consult that before I'd give a winner to any. Do you want menu. greens? Do you want greens anywhere near a chicken palmer though? I just want, I, don't I you just want a chicken palmer and chips? You do, do you? I really rate veggies. I don't tra- mind veggies, when, but with a chicken When you travel palmer. as much as pro golfers, yeah. we love veggies. I love like steamed roasted veggies. And so... I'll I'll take them over a salad any day. Okay, righto. What about veggies from a Bay Marie? Here's your Palmer. Now go get your own veggies. They're on a Bay Marie. And if you turn up at about twenty past eight, what's left over? It's been in there for a couple of hours. Depen- what's le- it depends pretty if soggy my- ca- carrots. Depends and- if my physio slash nutritionist is having uh, dinner with me. If she is, I'll probably load up and uh, make it look like I had an attempt at nutrition. But <laughs> right. that's that's one thing from pro golf though that. Lucas is going to learn being in China as well. Like when you're like you're out in the back streets in China trying to find dinner, you go for the cooked veggies. You don't go for the salad. Oh no! You know oh, you, God, you no. choose life. Oh, yeah. So yeah, at least you start life. you're starting <laughs> from a good spot. There you go. I've got to ask him one more. One more, right? Serious golf question. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask him about Dim Sims, but I just don't want to go there now, mate. You've got <laughs> a really big thing coming up in July. Singapore Open, you know. A great result against a really talented field, but oh, you yeah, get the, the dream uh, for you is to get that first major championship under your belt. Carnoust, do you have a? Have you played there? B. What are your thoughts about the Open Championship? Yeah, so I played there back in 2015 in the the amateur. I think they like to call it. Up. We're going to say the British amateur because yeah. that's what it is, um, <laughs> and it's the British Open too. It's not the Open. Um, oh, Clayton's <laughs> listening to this. Clayton, oh, I'm sure that. I'll get him with something else later on. I don't know what questions you've got ready for me, but I'm sure I'll have something for him. Um, yeah, I played. So I obviously played it then. Um, I think I'd had about six over in the first round, so I needed I needed about 66 to qualify for the match play. And it was pretty evident about six holes in that wasn't coming out. Um, so I don't know that I really played it in proper tournament conditions because it was not at the point where I was um, under any pressure, but uh, definitely saw my way around it. Um, so have a bit of an idea what I'm going to need. Uh, I've and we've got a we've got a bit of a plan in place. Uh, we sort of, we spoke about it. Jamie and I spoke about it um, last week just before Canadian Q scores. You know, we just sort of. Um, chatting about whatever and sort of looked at the President's Cup standings for next year being Tiger. I think, yeah, we were, we were looking at the Tiger and Ernie interview about Royal Melbourne and um, sort of just chatting about that and thought, oh, I wonder what like the 12th ranked international player would be and then sort of went through and had a look and went, oh, like, do you reckon we could like maybe even give that a little sniff? <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're sort of putting putting in plan some, some you know, some plans to uh, to maybe give that a bit of a a look in at the end of next year because I, I don't know when the President's Cup will be back at Royal Melbourne again. Like, I think that'd be it's sort of something that'd be pretty cool to do. Play a, a President's Cup at, in your hometown. Um, could probably stay at home for that one. I only live about a kilometre from the course. Um, I think, like, that'd, that'd be a pretty cool thing to do. So we're sort of just getting in plan in, in place some plans to do that. Um, and one of those would be probably running top 20 at the Open, um, which I don't think is necessarily going to be that out of the question. Mm. Um, so we're obviously just planning the, the preparation around that as to what I'm going to play and then uh, how we're going to, to practice and, and get ready with, with the uh, the crew. And, um, yeah, I, I, you know, if I go about all the right processes and do execute everything really well that week, I don't see any reason why, um, you know, that wouldn't be a possibility. 
More hairs on the back of my neck. And isn't it great that we can sit here and you can say this is something that I'd like to do. It's something that I'm planning to do. If if all things go well, then it might actually happen. And I don't think anyone sitting around here in their back of our minds is thinking, this bloke's kidding himself. There's no way he can do that. Like, I'm not thinking that's beyond you. I wouldn't put a cap on what's capable um, for you at all. So why would you? You know what I mean? Like, have a crack. Why yeah, not? It just it feels like the things that I'm probably not capable of doing right now, it's like, well, I've, you know, in the next two years, you get more experience, you learn more things, and they will become possible for, for me. I, I, I don't know. I don't see any... I don't see any... Um, you know, barriers for me is like, I, I don't think I'm going to be ever going to be able to do that. It's kind of just, all right, we'll, you know, see how things go and, and keep executing the right plans and it can only take us as far as we can go, really. Herbert v. Kucher. Singles. Oh. Match Kuch. comes down to, it all comes down to that. Oh, how exciting is that? I feel like the profanities hey. that Cooch would say as opposed to me would be, I, I, th- I feel like I'd throw a lot more... Uh, un- untelevisable words in there than him. <laughs> Have you seen, like, his... Uh, some of his spits that he does after a, after a bad shot and the, the things he says. They're just like, he's obviously got young kids, so yeah. he's just used to saying them. They're, they're absolute gold. Yeah. Go and find them on YouTube. Yeah. Gosh darn it. Yeah, it's there's like, a lot of that. Gosh, Maddie. <laughs> there's a lot of that. <laughs> well, uh, I, we, no, sorry, I do have to ask him one more because Clates will kill us. <laughs> oh, go on. All right, we oh, could no. be, but try and keep this short if you All can. Right, you got to keep this short, Lucas. Oh, this is not easy. Everyone in this room for the past 34 and a half episodes now has been pretty much. Pro rolling the ball back. Mm. The distance debate. You are the lone wolf now. You are the one who doesn't advocate for that based on what we read. Why? Um, you said a short answer. Um, to be honest, I don't, I don't really mind if they roll the ball back. Personally, I don't have an issue. And I think I've tried to make that clear. Is I don't, if they want to roll the ball back, that's fine. I, yeah. I think that's probably... Really, only going to suit me, um, but I, th- uh, I think the things around the golf industry that it affects are going to have worse effects than what it'll have because five guys in the field every week hit it over a bunker that shouldn't be able to be hit over. So too much change for too few people. Well, um, if you, I, th- I think the how do you, is it bifurcation? Yeah, is that how you say? It, it? Yeah, yep. I think that can only uh, that can only hurt. Um, if you're a if you're a golf manufacturer, why would you make a ball that? Uh, why would you make a, a pro only ball if you're going to have a ball for the professionals and a ball only for the amateurs? You can't. Pros are not going to buy their own golf balls, so you're going to have to make a golf ball that you're going to give to all the pros. And then how are you going to market? Okay, a pro plays a Titleist or a TaylorMade, but you as the amateurs play a completely different ball. So why would they even? I, I just don't. I, I don't understand from a manufacturer's point of view why they would even make a ball like that. It's only going to put them so far out of pocket. Um, and it's then a- if you're gonna if you're gonna make everyone play the exact same ball, I think like that's when you're gonna you're gonna lose so many people from the game. If, if you're gonna if you're gonna cap the ball right now and say it can't go any further than this, that's fine. I, I and I can understand that, and and I think that's smart. But if you're gonna wind the ball back, if you're gonna say right, you now if guys that hit three hundred are now back to two seventy five, and the only fair way to do it is, is is a percentage. You can't say that, okay, the guys that swing it at 120, they're back 30 yards, but the guys who swing it at 110, they're only back five yards. I, I don't see that as being fair. If you're going to make it a percentage thing, that's fine. But everyone's going to lose. And I think as much as all of us, we really appreciate seeing a nice shape shot around a tree into a back left pin that 
like we we all love that as as golf nuts right we love that but we're not going to we're not going to go away from the game if that is taken out we're still going to follow golf if you look at the guys and that's the thing 90 95% of golf fans that are on the fringe they want to see guys bomb at 370 like Rory they don't care like you look at all the big stars of the game the John Daly's the Rory's the Dustin's everyone loves long drive so the people who care about the legacy of the great courses your view is that they're in a minority but they're not they're not worried about what happens to the classic courses um because i'd rather just see a bloke hit it a thousand miles in the air is i'm not being a smart aleck i'm I'm asking because i think you're probably right i think there is a significant amount of new golf fans they don't they don't give a stuff about a bunker that was in play 30 years ago Mm -hmm. on a par four dog leg that is no longer in play i think a lot of golf fans wouldn't give a toss about that, to be honest. Yeah, and I think you're, you're right in that some of the courses in Melbourne are probably being like they're being played a lot differently to the way they were either back when they were designed or 30 mm. years ago, whenever you want to, whenever you want to make that point. But I think they're being played that way by the five guys in the field mm. every week that can hit at 3:30. Mm. It's the like I'm I'm playing out here. There's not there's not that many guys that are hitting it that long. They can get it long on the on the range, but out in the course they're not hitting it that long. Yeah. So they're all hitting it to the they're all hitting it to the right spots. Now, if you're going to cap the ball here, that's fine, and you you don't have to build any tees further back. You don't have to put anything else in, and and that's like that's fine. But I think there's a, there's it's, it's such a minority of guys that are hitting it too far, mm. as opposed to the ones that are actually like. It's actually bringing more people into the game because they're going. Oh, I can actually hit it out there at two fifty into the spots that it was designed to hit it into, and like you know, I, I made an example of like my granddad's barely hanging on to his last legs of golf. You know, he's he can't even carry the creek on the first hole at Castleman Golf Club, and you know that's not a long carry. Um, <laughs> if you want to if you want to go and take fifteen yards off him, and there's he's not he's not alone. Like a golfing population is mainly that that age bracket. Like how many guys are going to go? Well. All the golf balls is bought. They're all done. I can't hit any further. Like, pfft, yeah, but unless bother. your granddad's hitting it with a hundred and fifteen mile club head speed, he's probably, you know, not going to suffer that damage. Yeah, but that's what I, that's that's also the thing I don't understand is like, how can you take? How can the guys that swing it at one twenty have? Ta- how can you take so much off them? And a guy that swings it five mile an hour slower has not has, doesn't have as much of an effect because. The guys that swing it at 120, they they weren't born like that. They all trained and they all worked out. This is how you swing it quick. They all worked on their technique to get it like that. They got club fitted to do that. I think a lot of people are taking away. They're saying that hitting it, swing it fast, is not a. Uh, it's not a skill. It's just an athletic thing, and I th- I think it's because you like you look at me. I'm I haven't been to a gym since October 16. Barry, you I think I go to the gym five it, days a week? I don't believe it. I'm going to, I'm going to I put a, I'm going to put a, a private you, eye on you. And you follow could out-bench press me. There, there is. You could out-bench no, press me. No, I, I can't. I, trust me, I Lucas. Have no I strength. <laughs> I could not. I've no strength. Right? Look at me. But I've, I've worked out. I've worked out with my technique. Dom's worked on my technique. We've worked out how to how to swing the club fast and get it, like, and get it consistently. Ali, no one has a natural V from like him <laughs> without going to the gym. I don't know. I no he's one. got some hey, chicken wings under me. that under that jumper. I think he's got <laughs> some, on, some granny arms maybe. I promise, I, don't you, know. I, don't, I promise you I don't go to the gym. Well, um, I even like you even more now if that's the case. So that's, and that's the, like, that's the thing. I, it's, it's a real, I think it's a skill to be able to there's, got, like, there's guys that um, I'm not going to name names because it'll, uh, it'll really hurt some egos but there's guys that I see out on tour that are Big lads, like they're very strong and can't move the club very quick at all. Yeah, 
Um, so I just I just don't think I just don't think a, a ball rollback making the ball go 15 yards less is going to help the game of golf even close to what it will do for the for the making making a classic course relevant. You look at where we're playing the US Tour events. They're, they're not classic. Like Riviera is a classic golf course. The best golf course in America. You don't get played on. Correct. They play on. So. They play on. Yeah. They play on facilities that allow a tournament. Spot yeah. on. And they're all. If you don't fly at three hundred in the air, like, have fun on the weekend because you'll be, you know, what in the game. bars downtown. Yeah. I just can hear Clates on my shoulder yeah, no, no, wanting to ask <laughs> you about thirty questions, and I and I I we haven't got time literally for me to ask the questions that I want to ask you. But you do make a few valid points, and I can see a thing. But I Clates would kill me if I didn't say isn't golf a test of using clubs all the clubs through your bag you could go out now I put it to you Lucas that you could go out and play with your driver your seven iron and a couple of wedges and a putter um, yeah you're probably right um, and I'm not probably not I don't really disagree with Clates in that like yeah it's it's a lot it's a lot more of a challenge to play with all the clubs in your bag Um my like, I guess my counter argument for him is like I don't see him out there playing tour bladders and and hickory clubs on a Saturday at Metro. He's still using all the latest technology. So if it if it's so much better and it makes the game so much better, why isn't he doing it now? Why is he trying to make a rule that enforces him to do oh, that? This is like this is like Danny Green and yeah. Anthony Mundine no, baiting it. each other it. in the jungle. And, and so many people have come back with that response. Oh, it'll make them make people shape the ball more, or they'll enjoy playing a shorter ball. No, they won't. <laughs> Who wants to take 15, 20 yards off their game? No, they don't. It's it's funny, actually, because what I would say to the people that want to see every club in the bag used is go, is go watch the women. Well, that's a good point. That's, yeah. that's the other to... thing. You look at it's it's literally the US tour that this is mm. a problem with because the, the ladies tour is perfect. They, they all hit it to the spots that it's designed to on a golf course mm. because obviously shorter lengths off the tee, they can, they can change the tees around to set them up for... You know, they can put them on the men's tee or... I, like, I was only a junior when they played it at Commonwealth, but I remember there were some tees that were used. Um, they were using the men's tees, some were only the women's tees. And, um, yeah, like, the women's tour is perfect. It sets up and really that is, well that is true, and that's why it's so pleasurable to watch the women's tour. But I don't want to see too many Leavenwoods, Ellie. No, that's the only thing. And the last time a three-iron <laughs> or a two-iron was in, um, yeah. you know, Inby Park's bag was when she was, you know, three years old. Yeah, I mean, I would say ten percent of the girls have a iron, a four iron, or a, or less, or whichever way you look at it. They're but, iron deficient. Yeah, well, I mean, Michelle Wee won two weeks ago in Singapore with an eleven wood in her yeah, bag, <laughs> and she and swings it fast. Yeah, and she's actually got some club head speed on. Yeah. It. Anyway, We're, I feel like honestly we've scratched the surface on this, yeah. and it's a it's interesting listening to you talk about it. We could talk about it a lot longer than we have. Um, but we do need to get a break out of the way. We've got a very special guest joining us on the other side of this. Hazy's been doing some research. You want to hear the story of Leslie Malcolm. She's coming out next. Do you want to stick around to the end of the show? Sure, love Beauty. to. Lucas Herbert going to stay with us till the end of Inside the Ropes. A quick break. Back with more after this. The Golf Australia website is now the place to go to look up your handicap and so much more. Whether you're out and about on your phone or in the office trying to avoid work, just go to golf.org.au and punch a golf link number into the box at the top of the homepage. Who knows? Maybe that last round was just good enough to put in single figures. While you're on the site, check out the daily golf results at your club, view our course index for up-to-date ratings, read the latest golf news from home and abroad, listen to Australian golf podcasts and interviews, and watch video tournament highlights or tips to improve your game. 
It's everything a golf tragic could want. Visit golf.org.au today. The home of Australian golf. G'day, this is David Graham, and you are Inside the Ropes. Welcome back to the show. A whole lot of other bits and pieces to work our way through before we get to the end of the show. But Golf Hazy, as and TUL, of course, and you look at slips, is full of remarkable stories as is sport. And Hazy, you've brought us uh, to the attention of one of the more remarkable ones, to be honest. Oh, we stumbled across uh, one yesterday, and I'm so grateful I did. I made contact with a lady you're about to hear, and she just regaled me with one of the great golfing stories I've heard for quite a while, Andy. Just fantastic. And we welcome on board, all the way from Bunbury in WA, Leslie Malcolm. Leslie, congratulations on your feats. We'll explain them to people in a second, but well done. Thank you very much for your very kind comment. <laughs> well, Leslie, we better explain what happened uh, to the masses here. You've uh, you've gone to Bunbury Golf Club last Wednesday. You've been playing golf for, you'll tell us more in a second, but nearly 40 years. You roll up to the first tee in the winter season opener, and what happened? Um, I will, uh, can, I, can I give you my story first? Yes, you can. And then that'll all come into that. Far away. Okay. My husband, Max, and I lived on a farm in a partnership with Max's brother, Colin, and my sister, Anne, and quartering in WA. For entertainment, we travelled to Moody Arab, 14 miles to the east of quartering. Um, I started, um, uh, Moody Arab was situated halfway between Collie and Cochin up in WA and it was a farming district only. It had a lake where families went for picnics, swimming, um, classes, water sports and camping. It had a sporting complex of bowls, tennis and a golf club with sand green. In 1997, I started to play intermittently and then became a constant player in 1980. The ladies at Moody Arab Club were very encouraging and very, very patient, as I was a very, very bad player to start with. In 1985, I won the B-grade championships at Moody Arab, Williams and Darkin. In 1986, for various reasons, the ladies' side of the golf club closed, and I joined the college club, being 40 miles away from my farm, once again, the ladies were very encouraging and taught me to play on green greens. At both clubs, we travelled extensively to all open days of other clubs and had a great time. In 1994 to 2005, I joined the Albany Club and had a great time travelling along the south coast of WA from Bremer Bay and Boxwood Hills in the east to Walpole in the west. I won the 2004 Brenda Whitman Cup in Albany um, just before we left. Now I have joined the Bunbury Club in 2006 and travelled from Mandra south to Augusta on the west coast of WA. There was a funny incident when I was playing with my 12-year-old grandson in the Landing Cup in Bustleton. I chipped in for an eagle on hole 18. It was a five par from 100 metres to the green. The most lucky shot ever. <laughs> my, grand, my grandson ran and gave me, uh, his grandmother, a very big hug in the middle of number 18 fairway. I was so surprised but loved him for it. Another time, I was chosen to play with the sponsors at Bustleton Club 
and one of the sponsors was Angry Anderson, the entertainer. <laughs> I was introduced to him as Gary Anderson. I did not know who he was. He, he, he was... He was playing badly, so on number 16 tee box, I lined him up, and he had the most beautiful hit. He was so proud. He was very amused at not being recognised and had a lovely day, and he was a very gracious man. He was bound, for, I, he was bound for glory, bound for glory. <laughs> now I have shocked myself and all the Bunbury Golf Club members with my first ever hole-in-one. It was opening day for the winter season for the ladies on Wednesday, March the 14th. On number one tee, first swing of the day for me, I had a hole in one. It was 152 metres to the green and I used a five wood. I did not see it go in, but everyone else did. Ladies on number two um, tee box saw it and great excitement erupted. I had to settle the ladies down because it was the first hole we had played and there were 17 others to go. <laughs> then on March the 17th, the ladies, Saturday ladies were having their winter opening for the season and I shot a hole in one on number eight green, being 136 metres playing a four iron. Two holes in one in four days. It was a miracle. And the club erupted in great excitement. I was overcome when 41 ladies gave me a standing ovation when I entered the clubhouse for lunch. Everyone has been so excited for me. The club and on Facebook comments have been so kind. I thank everyone for the comments. I have been totally unprepared for their response. I have really enjoyed my 40 years of golf. I have a very patient and encouraging husband, Matt, who never complained about my being away playing golf and never complained when the meals were burnt because I had on while, while practicing at home in the garden. And I thank you for your kind comments and for your interest. Thank you very much. Don't you go anywhere, Leslie. Don't hang up. Don't hang up. (laughs) Whatever you do. That's the best off-the-cuff response I've ever heard, Leslie. (laughs) Hey, Leslie, how many meals have you burnt over the years you've been practising your short game out in the garden, do you reckon? Oh, I've lost count. In fact, it's it's so long ago I can hardly remember now. But what I used to do was hit the golf ball off my little patch of lawn at the back of the house Pass the lemon tree up into the paddock, <laughs> and I had it all measured off so I knew how what the sticks played. And then every time I went past the lemon tree, I used to clip it with a ball sometimes, and I had one straight side on the lemon tree, and the other side was quite rounded. <laughs> <laughs> how many miles do you reckon you've done? When you were outlining your early days in golf over there in WA, Leslie, have you got any idea... How many have you ever sort of sat down with your husband and worked out how many miles you must have done chasing oh, chasing the game? No, well, no, I don't know how many miles I've done. But one year we went, um, we travelled to Narragun, um, and we went by bus out to Lake Valley, where twelve ladies um, we played at Ambrose, and twelve ladies and their husband entertained two hundred of us out there. 
and we never ever forgot that because we really only played nine holes, didn't we? <laughs> In an Ambrose, you only hit so many, um, and hit only so many times. So anyway, we we yes, we've travelled lots and lots of miles, and I cannot remember. Uh, Leslie, you told me yesterday there's not one club in the whole southwest of Western Australia you haven't played at, which I think is a phenomenal achievement Absolutely. for anyone. Um, but the key part of this story, perhaps I didn't relay early, um, was the fact that you're actually 81 years of age. Yes, that's right. Yes. Can people believe this? Can you believe this? Uh, you, you know, it's not uncommon, I suppose, for people to have a couple of holes in one in a lifetime, but... To start doing them in 81 and then have two in four days, I mean, it's pretty extraordinary. I know you were pretty emotional on Saturday. Yes, yes, and I still am. And, um, yes, no, I, I can't understand it at all except that um, it, it's all a big miracle to me. It's, uh, <laughs> I just I have no explanation of you. No, there's no way of explaining this sort of stuff. Other than the fact, Ali, that Leslie must be hitting the ball as well now as she ever has. I was going to say, did you say 136 four, uh, metre four iron, Leslie? Um, yes, I did. You pump it. <laughs> You're only 20 yards behind the pro. That's, that, in, that in itself is impressive, let alone the fact it went in. I d- is that right? Yep. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know that. <laughs> I've been saying, for uh, Leslie, you clearly don't agree that the ball goes too far these days. You're, you're not of that view. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I'm number, number eight green, I thought it had gone through the back, but it hadn't. And um, and then the next day I played it, I, I nearly did put the ball through the back of the green. It was it was amazing. <laughs> Leslie, uh, on Sunday you played again, and I can't report a third hole in one, but you carried a, you carried a young bloke of 70 through a bit of four ball or something, didn't you? Yes, he was. Yes, he's a young married man with three children, and um, the oldest one's five, and he's on a 34 handicap, and he was on the card eight times, and I did the rest, and um, we had a great day. And what happened to your handicap? It went down one. <laughs> <laughs> From where to where at 80, age 81? Sorry? From where to where your handicap went? 18 to 17. You're an inspiration to us all, Leslie. It's a remarkable story. Um, and we thank you for yeah. uh, taking the effort you have and the time you have to tell us your story. We appreciate you getting out. We're recording this podcast in Melbourne before 9 o'clock in the morning and you're all the way over on the other side of the country. So... We know you've got up really early to do this interview with us, and we thank you for the, from the bottom of our hearts, Leslie. Good, thank you, and thank you for asking me to do that for you. Good on you. Thanks, Leslie. It's Cheers, an unbe- Leslie. What an unbelievable story. Leslie, Malcolm joining us on Inside the Ropes. Hi, this is Sherelle McMahon. Swing Fit is the fun, healthy, social way for women to get started in golf. You'll learn the basics of the golf swing and how to putt over a six-week program and get your whole body moving through yoga and Pilates-style exercises. You don't need any golf knowledge or equipment. Simply turn up in comfy clothing and get started. You'll be surrounded by like-minded people and receive constant support. So get outdoors, meet new friends and learn a sport that you can play for the rest of your life. To find a program near you, visit swingfit.com.au. G'day guys, I'm Scott Hend. I'm around the world playing golf everywhere, but when I can, I love listening to Inside the Ropes. Well, she's an extraordinary story. I mean, that, that is an extraordinary story. 
she told the story well. <laughs> Not too many bits and pieces she's left off the table there, God love her. But Short pricey of the history of the southwest and western Australia. Oh, there you go. But that was that magnificent. Two holes in one oh, at 81, four days apart from one another. That's a ridiculous story. Oh, I understand from the, uh, the um, Bunbury Golf Club, which was recently awarded Andy as the Regional Golf Club of the Year in Western Australia, which is fantastic. It's in brilliant nick, a thriving club. Um, it, you know, it, it's it's a sight to behold. They were just in awe of her. And I was told yesterday she walks, she plays three rounds a week. She pushes her own buggy. <laughs> um, they all still, you know, ladies bring a plate, that sort of thing applies. But the club uh, attitude towards it isn't the old-fashioned attitude. They've got a great thing going on there, and they just love her to death. That's Absolutely great. awesome. Speaking of regional clubs, can I just give a shout-out to the Port Ferry Golf Club in the southwest of Victoria, uh, Last weekend played in the Time Honored Blue Jacket Classic, the 29th playing of the Blue Jacket Classic, won by uh, Steve Farino. But that now there is a golf course. There is a golf course that if you haven't, I'm sure we all have, but if you haven't played down at Port Ferry, you've got to get down there and play that golf course. It's spectacular. My number one fun course in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a beauty. Um, we're talking about golf clubs and golf balls in the previous segment with Lucas Herbert, Ali, becoming potentially obsolete if we roll back things too much and current day equipment will become obsolete. You've got a remarkable story about how somebody can get access to the elite level range of golf clubs <laughs> going at a pretty affordable price. Oh, wow. You, this is probably, I think it's going to be one of the quirkiest stories in golf of the year. And it's just come about today, our time this morning. Um, in Kyung Kim, major champion, a multiple winner on tour on the LPGA last year, world number six, um, was flying back. I think she was flying back from Korea, actually, over Christmas. And her clubs got lost on the way back from the airline, who will remain nameless. <laughs> I'm not going to name and shame them. Um, she was trying to chase them down, couldn't find them anywhere. And these are the clubs that she's won the British Open with last year. Can't find her golf club. So she's actually had to go and be refitted for everything in the bag, which a, a professional golfer will understand that sometimes you have clubs that are eight years old that have a certain shaft in it that aren't accessible anymore. So her clubs are gone. She's gone and got refitted. And so in Singapore this year, um, we were doing kind of a, a pre-show, which is all bets are off in this pre-show. And I said to my <laughs> producer, I want to go do an in the bag with IK Kim. And he's like, oh, okay, kind of a strange request. And I said, no, she's lost all of her golf clubs. So everything in her bag is fresh. <laughs> And he's like, get out there. Go on, go get the story. So anyway, so I came as a friend of mine and I went over to her and I was like, we're going to do it in the bag, but obviously this is going to be super awkward because you don't know any of these golf clubs yet. And so we've gone through it. Anyway, as the story's evolved, I keep telling her, I'm like, anything on the golf clubs? I message her each week, you know, and she's heard nothing. Today, she's got the call up, I think from the Carlsbad police station. I don't know how they contacted her. But these three good in Samaritans California. in California, she's over there for the Kia Classic this week, Jack, Jeff and Paul have contacted the Carlsbad police, I believe, and somehow tracked her down. And they've found her golf clubs being sold in a sports store somewhere in California. <laughs> her golf bag, they've opened up the golf bag. Her player, LPGA player badge is still in there. All oh of her God. stuff still in this golf bag. And the classic thing is... They're selling her golf clubs for 60 bucks a pop. 
That is so extraordinary. She, she, you can go and buy a piece of British Open history if you want in, yeah. in, uh, in California golf stores. So anyway, That's so they've great. returned, I think, about half of her set, but who knows what she's going to do with it now. So yeah. Yeah. anyway. No, that's, that's amazing. That's a great bit random. That's a nightmare. That's a nightmare of mine. My putter's not being made anymore, so if I lose that thing, I'm in trouble. Have you ever thought about getting someone to make a complete replica? Like get it wide, yeah, get which, it shaped? Yeah, well, because I've only the one I've actually used, I put in the bag at New South Wales Open last year. So. Right. It's uh, it's on a good run at the moment. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, for something like that, though, it's a, it's a yes putter, and they don't make them anymore. Yeah, so right. we're, we're searching through eBay trying to find just another one, just in case, because uh, I've got one at home. Might be the same. I'll bring it in next time I see you. Sarah, you can, Sarah you number twelve. I think it's uh, I think it's a Sierra number twelve. If you have yeah. a Sierra number twelve, in go and have a look in your garage I'll right now. I'll pay good now. money for Anyone it. <laughs> and help this lad out because he needs a backup uh, set. Yeah, it's that's a yeah. Even nightmare like that happens where I lose my clubs. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. So they're not making those putters anymore. Apparently not. He's Mr. Yamamoto or whatever his name. He just stopped doing it. I got, yeah, I got no idea. No, he's a legend. The bloke, the bloke who was making the putters for yes, the Japanese fella. He's a bit of a guru, I'm told. Is the he? guy makes those putters. Yeah, no, like that's all he does. It's ironic because I've got a no putter. Other bits and pieces before we wrap it up. Uh, the WGC World Match Play, one of my, I do yeah, love this event. Absolutely. Um, the four groups of 16, winner goes through to the knockout phase. I can take or leave the group stage. I think that's, yeah. I, I'm, I'm all for the match play and all for the guys wanting to be there, but I think they've pandered to the to TV. The, well, What's the a get- little bit of the TV and a little bit of the top end pros who feared getting knocked out in the first round yeah. and didn't want to travel for one day's golf, which I think's a bit. How does the group stage actually work? They play two Round or three Robin. matches and three. three matches, and then if yep. you win two, you get through or something. And the other three go like that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And the sixteen, they get through from the group player yep. knockout phase. Okay. So yeah, but oh, I don't mind it. But it's the best, you know. It, to me, other outside the majors, is it the best week of golf? I love golf. it absolutely. I was speaking of um, formats that you know should change or shouldn't. News overnight, I believe, came out that the Olympic um, format for 2020 will remain unchanged. So we're going to continue. Yeah, so that's a there. You're, you're obviously hearing this news for the first time. So a 72 hole individual stroke event will remain at the Olympic Games. Hazy. Well, let's just play the most boring format of golf we've got, and let's not attract new people to it. I, and let's not have a mixed format, heaven forbid. Mm. I mean, seriously, that's a. I, I get in trouble with so many people on this show, but that is so short sighted. I don't disagree with that. I mean, it's a chance to do something a bit different, well, be just, more inclusive. Just put, you know, Mark Leishman with Minji Lee and have another have another medal available. Mm. What well, there's there's you can win fourteen thousand medals at gymnastics. Why can't we have a third one for mm. the for the golf? You can keep it stroke play. Why don't you have a guy and a girl team, like you said, yeah. and then literally just have the best round of the two count? There's so like if many you, if ways you're stuck to on make stroke it more play and do 72 holes, well, then the at best... least add something to the mix. Because the 72 yeah. holes, and I think Lucas would probably agree with me, is probably the best way to find, sure. in my opinion, the best player of the week. Um, 72 holes is a slog under that kind of pressure. And yep. at least from the women's side and the men's side last year, there was no one on those podiums that was no choppers that that was a, a fluke. No, and so from that regard, positive. But come on, there's ways to do it. I'd agree with Hazy. Why isn't there more medals available? You can, like, um, Phelps has won twenty gold medals, something like mm. that. Uh. It's, you're never going to do that in golf. So is there is there another option of you know there's a 
is a four ball event on the Friday or I don't know. So <laughs> it's got to, it's got you to know be. what you know what. Chuck it up. What can't, there's no bad Surely idea. Mix Canadian foursomes oh, on the Tuesday well, to warm up. And well, no, there's no bad. The there's no bad idea. I reckon something that is unique to the Olympic game again it only happens once every four years. It's not like we're going to be asking the pros to play this thing 25 times a year. No, it'll add to it. It won't detract from it if we have, have a, you know, mixed Canadian force. Make it a proper team event. Yeah, you still have an individual component within it, but, you know, have the team event as well. Have the mixed team event as well. Have everybody in this thing together. That was... Just, um, I think that, what is, is a British Open and a US Open for men and women. That's the only thing that we can both win. Every other major is called something different and... If you, yeah, a gold, so a gold medal is just so different to win. Yeah, anyway, yeah. it doesn't need to be this. It doesn't need to be the same format as every other tournament to win it. Uh, to, to me, Andy, it's, it's just golf is in there. One of the primary aspects of golf being in the, in the Olympics is to broaden its market. Of course, so to reach new people. And I agree with Ali. It's the best format, seventy-two holes, to find the true winner of a of a grueling test. But it is not the most entertaining. No, and those, so those things conflict. Um. Rory, I'll just keep bowl. I've got two more things to bowl up before I'm done. Rory, time for two to limit alcohol sales on course. He was the subject of some mindless heckling about his wife uh, on the Saturday, I think it was, at Bay Hill. Just stupid stuff. Like, just, just dumb, mindless, stupid stuff. And there seems to be this growing push now that, um, particularly on the US tour, they're getting more and more blokes on course who are poleaxed. And they're just saying and doing stupid things. Um, now, I'm not sure anyone here's got a strong view on that. Um, but if it, the chances are that behaviour of spectators is going to be enhanced by reducing, you know, the alcohol limit in beers being sold on course, then I'm all for it. If they can't moderate their own behaviour, then moderate it for them, I say. Anyone got an issue with any of No, I ditto what you just said. I think the fans are quite different from... Australia and Europe as opposed to America. I think they're more sporting fans in in the US as as to as opposed to in Australia you definitely get golfing fans coming to watch um mm. golf. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think definitely in Australia and, and Europe we seem to have a lot better behaviour from crowds. I'd never really obviously played in front of a huge crowd in America and had any heckling issues. But um if those guys are yeah, if it's if it's getting personal I'd I think that definitely needs to be uh, something done. Here, here. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, we have a nominee this week for the Roger Bannister fire. Yeah, we do. And it's not coming from us. It's no. coming from Eddie Pepperell. Yeah, I saw that on You Twitter. saw that? Yeah. Bryson DeChambeau. And he's not in, not un, not inaccurate. So the, the if, I don't know whether you've got one you want to put in, but the, Roger, the memorial Roger Bannister file is for slow players. It took JB Holmes over four minutes to play a shot. Six minutes. That's right. It took Roger Bannister less than four minutes to break the mile, obviously. <laughs> um, and we're putting people in. So we've got Kevin Nah, Webb Simpson, JB Holmes, Beatrice Ricari is in there. <laughs> She's in. And now Bryson DeChambeau. Thank you, courtesy Eddie Pepperell, goes yeah. in this week. <laughs> Anyone you want to add, Lucas? Um, no, nah, I've got no one to throw right. under the bus there, I don't think. Al? Allie? I mean, there's a couple of walking rain delays on the on the on the women's oh. side, as they're referred to. But uh, I'm going to wait until the next oh, time that's a good name. they uh, they they come up on screen. We we start the watch. All right. On well, them. we need you to nominate someone, all right? Because Hazy and I have put a couple in. 
um, you put in Kevin Nair. I, no, I wept in Kevin Nair. You wept in. Wept it's, in. it's interesting that Kevin Nair's Web. in there because I think he set the record for the fastest round in a one ball in the Tour Championship last year. <laughs> well, there you go. We can do it quickly. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's in there. I'll, uh, I'll flick through some anonymous, right. anonymously, <laughs> right. I think. Okay, we won't put your name in there. Anyone got any other general videos before we wrap it up? Just, uh, just quickly, um, great starts for Ryan Ruffles and Harrison Endicott in particular in Guatemala on the Latino America Tour. Um, some really good results uh, in China in both uh, our, our man who we'll talk to again soon, Bryden McPherson, yep, did yep. really well in the China series, not the China PGA Tour. It's very complicated. Kevin Yuan did really well in the first China PGA Tour. It's a great start for him. Uh, as Ali mentioned earlier on, on the Golf Australia website, there's uh, eight others and Lucas who have been announced as rookies, uh, rookie squad scholarship holders. Fantastic achievement by them all. And uh, you know, just wish them all the well because we've actually got guys and girls spread all around the world now, um, including Karis Davidson in Japan. We've got to keep a close eye on her this year because that's sort of off the off the grid a fair bit, Ali. Yeah, well, speaking of off the grid as well, um, little cheeky shout out to Julianne Sue, who's over at the University of Oklahoma. She won a second event um, and ended up leading the team to a victory this past weekend as well. So uh, I think she eagled the last hole maybe to get it done. I want to say maybe chipped in or, or something like that. There's no footage of it. I couldn't find out how she how she got the job done. But, yeah, second awesome. wind over in college in the U.S. But don't forget, uh, you can subscribe to Inside the Ropes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. We love our listeners, Hazy, uh, particularly if you rate the show on iTunes, particularly if you give it a four, four and a half or five star review. No, five. Five, yeah, but we don't want to put that much pressure on it. They just you know, want to take a bit off. Of... It's like Uber, isn't it? Five star rating every time. It's like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, and uh, we, you know, our, our promise here like, from yes. DCOB1, I'm not sure if you've got all your oars in the water, DCOB, because you've given us respect, which we've never heard before. So great work, guys. Heaps of respect to all of you involved. There I you mean, go. that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to inside the, the Ropes crew. So thank you very much, DCOB. Um, Andy, if you don't mind, if you. Uh, we mentioned a bit of my golf stuff. I go your hardest. Yep. My golf is the um, combined uh, program for five to twelve-year-old kids around Australia by the Golf Australia and the PGA, going absolutely great guns. Um, over ten thousand young kids for the first time in a year, starting July one. So we've actually got another three or four months here to, to set the record that you know will was way above expectation. So fantastic result! Congratulations to all the kids involved. Uh, at the moment. Um, the My Golf Junior League has commenced to bring a team aspect to the sport, and Two Ball Ambrose is the format with the kids loving that concept. So, to talk about these things with Olympics and everything, now we can actually get out for the kids and actually get a chance to play something different. So, that's fantastic. The Whaleback Golf Course, which is just south of Perth, um, was awarded the My Golf Centre of the Month in February. So, congratulations to everyone over there. Yeah, uh, fantastic. And Christo- Christopher Fry who's a young a young guy up in uh, up in Cairns, up near Cairns. He plays his golf at Half Moon Bay, and he's the February My Golfer of the Month. Um, I I haven't met you, Christopher, but I understand you've got mild cerebral palsy. I'm under, I also understand from his coaches that he, this guy is a little jet. He does everything just absolutely beautifully, is improving hand over fist, and you know, huge shout out to you, Christopher. Well done, mate, and the whole the whole of Australia congratulates you. Good on you. Um, we're done. Good to see you, Ellie Whitaker. Great to see you guys. Lovely to see you, Hazy. Almost clean shaven. I don't know what's happened there. 
Just a little that bit of design and stubble going on. No, it's yeah. <laughs> a long story, obviously. <laughs> Lucas, joy to have you in the studio, mate. Um, good to see you proudly wearing your Western Bulldogs 2016 wind cheater. May they improve for you in 2018. A couple of uh, early long-term injuries hasn't really helped. Poor us, Liam Pick, and that's a real worry, isn't it? And but, uh, um, Marcus Adams, that's really going to yeah. hurt down back. So, uh, yeah, I'll support hard, but uh, 2016 I'm wasn't optimistic. That, it wasn't that long ago, mate. You can still bask in. The we can glory miss of the that. we can miss the finals for the next eight years, and I'm I'm pretty happy we won. <laughs> I didn't think we were, I was going to see us win one. So uh, well, you have, and you, you didn't have to wait that long. Correct. Um, thanks for coming in. Thanks for being part of the show. Thanks, thanks to all the by play between you know the key members of the inside the ropes teams and yourself on the way through. It's uh, it gives us great fodder, and thanks, we boys. love the fact that you're prepared to engage in some of the big issues in the game. Keep doing it. Thanks, mate. I'm Good happy to you. come in. Here, whatever you want. No, no, we'll have you in again. Don't worry about that. Uh, Lucas Herbert with a huge, well, good Lord, a huge, after the stated ambition of uh, December 2019. Yeah. It's a very big year and a half in front of that young man. We appreciate you coming in. Wish you all the very best. Thanks for tuning in, folks. This has been Inside the Ropes. We'll do it all again next week.